welcome to Reality Blows. My name is Nick Maritato. I'm Ashley McRoberts. Folks, how has your holiday weekend gone? It is Monday afternoon. You probably know that because that's when this came to you. But uh, let me just tell you, we've had such a rousing July 4th weekend, haven't we, Ash? We truly have. I mean, we've been partying, we've been raging, we've been slamming, we've been beach jamming. Yes. Most slash all of that is absolutely untrue. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. Still, we uh, decided that we were going to take July 4th off, and that's why you're getting this fucking podcast super late. (laughs) But guess what? We're doing it on the day that it comes out, and other podcasts put their podcasts out in the middle of the day. Why can't we? That's a good question. Honestly, why can't we? And all the podcasts I listen to, it's like eventually I realize that they are recording like two weeks before they release it, which is smart because then they can release it on time. But also it takes away from that day of energy. Yeah, that stress, that panic. What are we going to talk about? (laughs) We need to get this thing out. We do it for the listeners, to be honest. Dog, we do it for you. Just so you know that you're like getting the most up-to-date Ashley and Nick stories. Speaking of up-to-date, if you really want a second dairy podcast to listen to, well, we are up-to-date with Terminator as long as you only watch the first two. Because this month, slash I mean last month, June of 2021, we dropped two, that's right, two Blowness episodes at patreon.com forward slash reality blows, where the first episode we talked about Terminator, and the second episode we talked about Terminator 2 Judgment Day. We actually have like a little bit of ourselves up top as well. The Terminator 2 episode was long. It was like what, a minute, like an hour and 20? Yeah, it was about an hour and 20. It was one of the longer podcasts we've ever done. Yeah, and it's because we couldn't shut up. So you definitely want to check that out. Now, Nick, when you were saying that, I thought you were going to talk about our idea that we just came up with on the porch. Oh, God, no. Can we talk about it? No way, dude. No <laughs> Basically, way. Basically, I'm I'm pitching that I'm I have an idea for Nick, and I think he's into it. I'm We're, into it. I'm into it. Hey, more details to come. Folks. Come on, more details to come. I want Nick to have his own podcast. Ashley's trying to get out of this real bad, folks. <laughs> Doesn't want to do this one anymore. She's trying to get me off on my own. So she's actually interested in something that I'm doing rather than her own self interest, which usually take out about eighty five percent of her brain. Is so that correct? Ash? Nick's gonna have a solo project coming out soon. Get ready for that. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, right. I'm out. Uh, Today on the program, we talk about Nickelodeon, and we also talk about the movie Zola out now in a lot of theaters. They've there's a bunch of theaters in uh, in around the Jersey Shore have this movie, and it's an A24 movie. I didn't expect it to get a release like that, especially movies such as Zola. But uh, you probably got it near you somewhere. Go see that movie. It's fun. That's a fun movie. We'll talk about that too. What else are we going to talk about, babe? Well, why don't we talk about first how we spent our uh, July 4th. Okay. And uh, I'll tell you what. I cooked two hot dogs, didn't eat any. Okay, that's how my whole... I cooked two hot dogs for my grandmother. A special July 4th hot dog celebration. And uh, I myself had a pretty poor night of eating on Friday night. Uh, which we could go all the way back to Friday night where I ate Taco Bell again. Yeah, what happened, babe? You went to New York and I did not. And I felt left out even though I was the one who made the executive decision to not go to New York. I, I probably could have swung it, but I didn't want to jump through the hoops of doing that. So I decided to bail on our New York plans 
And uh, then I felt left out at night because you were out having fun. And so I was like, you know what? I'm fucking hungry. I ain't got no car here. Ain't got no food I want to eat in the fridge. So it looks like I got to order in. And what's glorious about the suburbs is you could do Uber Eats and they'll deliver you fast food. And that means I could have Taco Bell right here, right now in about 25 minutes. Okay, do you understand the power that is Uber Eats? Nick's like one weakness in this life is Taco Bell. Like if you need to get something from him, just uh, tempt him with Taco Bell. That's not true. It's not going to work because if I feel like it's your idea and not my idea, I will poo-poo the idea that you want to eat fast food and eat bad, and I'll make you feel bad for wanting to eat that shit. Uh, but if for some reason I get the idea that I want it, then all of a sudden it's like a fun treat we're having. So uh, I'm a complex guy. You were just reminding me of the fact that you got, when we did that Gretchen Rubin book slash test, so there's Gretchen Rubin is this author. She wrote um, The Happiness Project, which I think is she's like most well-known for, but she also wrote a book called The Four Tendencies, which is very a simplistic way of looking at being productive it's basically like you there are four different ways people accomplish things and like you either fall into one of these categories or one of those categories and I think mine pretty much summed me up it was um like a people pleaser or like a accountability I can't remember the exact name of it but it's basically like I will do things for other people I will never do something for myself, um, which is pretty lame. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out. I know that I, I myself. You're a rebel. No, I'm a questioner. Which is the rebel, right? Uh, I got to I gotta check what the four tendencies are. We got really into this book. In fact, maybe we should revisit it. I don't know where it is. I think it's, it's in a box somewhere. It's in a box somewhere, yeah. So basically the questioner, it, I, I think when I was reading your like personality um, sketch, I was like, oh my God, this is totally Nick. Usually those things, we've done some on the podcast before. Maybe you're a patron and you heard us do a romance quiz or you heard us do our Leo Scorpio compatibility. They don't always add up, but this one I really feel like got Nick. So the four tendencies are upholder, questioner, obliger, or rebel. You're an obliger. I'm an obliger. Yep. And I am a questioner. Are you sure you're not a yes. rebel? No, I'm not a rebel. I'm not a rebel. Okay. I, 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 because I, I did, I was the one who read the book and did the whole thing. And I, and I there, read it too. That's why I bought it for you. There are specifics in, yeah, but I don't think you took notes on it like I did. You got like, you were doing pages of notes. Yes. Yeah. I just like underlined it. I think that, I mean, I have my notes somewhere around here, but uh, I think that I, there's differences between questioners and rebels. Rebels are like, I'm doing my own thing. And questioners are basically like, if if I'm asked anything, I'm going to question what that is. And like a rebel isn't to be asked. Do you know what I mean? Mm, like, I'm mm -hmm. not like, I'm not, not like, I'm just flying to the beat of my own drum. Look at me, like letting my freak flat fly. Like, I'm still not doing that. <laughs> like, I'm not going out and getting it. Yeah. I'm still having people like prompt me like, you should do this thing. But uh, an obliger is like, yeah, I, I should do that thing. And a questioner is like, why should I do that thing? It's just like, well, what are you asking me that question for? Just I'm And a rebel is like, I'm not going to do that thing because I'm doing this thing. Yeah, a rebel's already off doing their thing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're not even going to get asked. But uh, I'm sitting here waiting for people to ask, and when they do, I'm like, why? 
<laughs> you know, but you're just like the fact that you are asked makes you feel like you have to do it. Absolutely. And I, and I don't have that in me. We were we had like a cute little couple moment the other day. Um, we were talking about this podcast that I did for the New York Times that I regret. I regret being a guest on. Um, it was not. Anyway, we won't get too much into it. Luckily, you can't. I don't think you can find the episode. It doesn't exist anymore. But Nick was like, why did you do that? Like, why did you agree to do that? What was the point? And I was like, babe, think about it. Come on. You know me. Why do you think I did it? And he was like, you were asked and you didn't want to say no. And I was like, yep, that's me. That's right. The old obliger. That's She's me. obligated to do everything in her life. We should reread that book. Um, I just started reading Jen Sincero's the, the like Badass Habits. Remember when we got into her book, Badass Money or I You're a Badass like at Money? I didn't like it. I, I we we read it on on. Uh, we listened to the audio book on a North Carolina. And the trip. whole time I was questioning. I was just like, "What do you mean? <laughs> this is ridiculous." I like her. It's I just do... like go out and make money. It's like okay, what, what, how? Take the thing that you like and make money from it. It's like, well, I don't know how to do that. Tell That's me, not, you're really you're underselling. That's not true. It wasn't like that. Okay, fine. Um, other news in the reality. Since we're just kind of going over reality blows talking points. You may or may not remember our Six Flags episode, either the first or the second. What's up? You're moving that microphone around. You're banging oh, it. I'm I'm try, I was trying to give you a sneaky signal, but you don't wear... See, so what happens is Ashley doesn't wear cans. She don't wear headphones. I do, so I can hear the rattling, and she can't. But Ashley over there, I'll tell you, the way she speaks, <laughs> it must be living in Jersey, but she's, it's all hands these days. She's flipping and flopping that microphone around. I'm excited. Did you listen to our Six Flags episode from like two weeks ago where we made our triumphant? She's talking to you guys. Yeah, maybe it was three weeks ago. Our triumphant return to Six Flags. Did you listen to that episode? Did you hear the tales of El Toro, okay, of our adventure on the bucking Bronco El Toro? Did you listen to that? Guess what, folks? It derailed. That's right. A a ride that we reported back on almost killing us. Uh, uh, Strangely... Came off the tracks uh, a few weeks ago. It's been shut down. And it's been shut down. It's under investigation. Now, nothing really happened. It just kind of came off the tracks like nobody died or got hurt. But still, a little freaky. This was a ride we had gone on like a week prior. And while we were on that ride, both of us were like, this ride feels like it's about to fall apart. And then in our minds, we were like, that's the charm. That's that, a roller coaster charm. Well, it's the world's fastest slash biggest wooden roller coaster it's part of its thrill is that it feels like it's going to fall apart at any moment of course week later it derails not a week later now also you told me something happened with the log flume which we did not go on while we were there right i don't know the exact details of the log flume but i do know that people were airlifted out of it never a good sign Six Flags is like really like lips sealed. Like even in that article about El Toro derailing, like the spokesperson for Six Flags was like, it did not derail. It didn't. And then like the the board guy who oversees roller coasters, it's some sort of group like United American Fun Time or something. (laughs) And he's like, it derailed and we're investigating it. And then the Six Flags rep's like, nah, it didn't derail. Like, they're just not given any information. So there's no information on the people that were uh, lifted out of the log flume. We want to see the books. Yeah. Open your goddamn books up, UATF. 
what's at oh american united american fun time oh you <laughs> you uaft yeah whatever it is but um that's pretty that's our big news and guys and that was the news babe would you ever move to orlando with me and work at disney world uh if we got an offer sure let's say you and i were like independently millionaires like we made it like let's say in the next five years somehow we both get millions of dollars okay we never have to work again are you following me following would you be down to go live in Orlando and just be like a cast member who like lets people in on rides. Why would we have to do that and because sit it, in the Orlando sun all day? I'm a millionaire. It would be a cool ass job, and we'd be at Disney World every day. No, I would get a, I'd get a season pass to Disney World and just go when I want to. You don't want to be part of the magic. No, not in that. Not as a cast member who's like pressing a button, like to so the people on Small World keep moving you know what i mean not not that i I wouldn't want to be that level but i would be like an imagineer or like a decision maker with like a box seat to like all the festivities you don't want to be doing the country bears i don't really want to be that guy i don't really because no i know how i know what happens with jobs in me eventually i hate i all of a sudden feel very resentful to my employer so eventually I would not like Disney World if mm. I if I worked there on that level. Now, if I was like a chairman of the board or something like that, you know, and, and I was like getting awards for, uh, you know, what I was doing for Disney and uh, this and that. Yeah, I guess so. Or if I if I needed a job and my job was paying me like a lot of money to be like a Disney employee in some way, shape or form, then yeah. But to be a peon. Just a greeter yeah, with a name kids, tag. No, seeing no, no, kids no. smile. Their dreams come true. You don't nah. want to watch children's dreams come true you've every seen, day. You've seen children. Every 300 has a smile on their face. The rest are crying with a stack of shit in their pants. All right? And that's what it is to be a kid. Angry because you shit your own pants. Okay, well, you know what? How about this? We'll move down there. We'll get season passes. I'll be a part-time employee. There you go. That sounds great. There you go. Uh, so what else happened to us this weekend? Anything else? What did we do on Sunday? What did what we, we do? do on su- what did we do on Saturday? On Sunday. Saturday, don't know. Oh, we went and saw Zola. That's right, folks. Saturday, we went and saw Zola. Let's talk about Zola a little bit. Okay. So Zola is a movie that is based off of uh, an incredible, iconic a moment in time, which was a viral Twitter thread by this woman, Zola, which basically detailed three days in her life, one weekend um, with another woman. They're both dancers. They're both uh, er- exotic, erotic dancers. What do you call them? Strippers? I think it's exotic dancer. Erotic dancer, I don't think is a term, but Should stripper. Be. It's stripper. Erotic dancer makes more sense. Stripper. Okay, so they're both strippers, and they're going on this trip to Florida to make some money over the weekend. And things, um, you know, let's just say the story takes a turn, okay? Bumps up here in the road, and cracks in the friendship begin to separate the two women. And it's just an action-packed, really extremely readable Twitter thread. And I mean that in the way that, like, it's just so easy to consume. It's like a page-turner, but... Absolutely. And so it just took off. It was huge. It was it was a a very fun moment on the internet when this happened. I remember because I like I read that Twitter thread like fifty times. And then happened in two thousand fifteen. 
Do that. I was thinking seventeen, but it could have been fifteen. I think it is fifteen because okay. I, I'm seeing. I when I looked it up after the fact recently, it brought me back to like Rolling Stone articles from 2015 and stuff like that. But so I just, don't think it really matters. It doesn't all. matter. It yeah. was uh, it was years ago, a few years ago. But ultimately, um, you know, some okay. Here we go. Zola, the real story. Let's see. Yeah, 2015. So ultimately, some uh, production companies got wise. They bought this story, um, and then they made a feature film about it. And uh, it's beautiful. It's well done. I enjoyed it. I have critiques, but when do I not, Nick? When do I not? I mean, you got to have critiques because you are a critique. What? A critic. Oh, okay. Um, I thought you were gonna go into your critiques. No, I was gonna get. I was letting you now express your oh, opinion. You're I, me I gave it. Yeah, I gave a lot of information. Very interesting. And I said it was well done. It was visually pleasing. Well, I don't want to do spoilers, although the, the Twitter feed's been out there for a very, very long time, uh, or the Twitter thread. But what I enjoyed about Zola is it's a movie about literally where they just took 148. Uh, tweets and m- constructed an hour and 48 minute film and uh, I think that uh, it's absolutely fantastic uh, like way to get a story and like and build around like it's just I think something um, so impressive about making a movie where that is your prompt just like a thread yeah. Uh, because it feels I, modern it's it feels super fresh. modern I mean it's almost uh, I mean it's it, it at the, uh, I, I might sound old when I say this, but it does sound like meme culture to me. Like, yeah, you know it what felt I mean? a little meme-ish. Where, you know, that's kind of like uh, when, like, writing the great American novel, like, on a typewriter and revising it and then uh, going to print uh, with Penguin Books. And, uh, you know, you go to your little hardbound uh, section of your local bookstore and you buy this. Like, I mean, that was like what, entertainment was a hundred years ago you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and uh i think this is the most current and most relevant version of like the modern masterpiece you know and and this movie wasn't and i was trying to explain this in the car after we saw it to ashley but like uh this isn't the greatest movie you'll ever see i mean you're not you're not you're not gonna see the godfather 2 when you see this as far as like how you know the story is and the and the cinematography um but i think that's apples and oranges um or even like apples and bananas uh, we'll even take the shape out of it <laughs> because i don't think you should be comparing these movie this movie to like the classics of this you know the 70s and and yeah. et cetera et cetera Although they are both films that came out in the theaters and they're feature length. And like, yes, there's a lot of uh, similarities in just what is like a Hollywood movie. But this, it's so different. And even though I enjoy something like Godfather 2 or like Chinatown, I enjoy it. But I'm not, and I enjoyed Zola equally. I'm not enjoying them for the same reasons. So there, to me, I feel like there has to be another category that you kind of put these things in Hmm. in order to separate them and to explain why like i give chinatown uh nine and a half and i gave zola an eight and you're like wow chinatown is only one and a half points higher than zola it's like yes but 
that's just because I'm comparing two movies. Movie is such a broad fucking term. Right. You're comparing your enjoyment level. My enjoyment level. They couldn't be they couldn't be diff- more differing experiences than watching like an old classic and something so modern as this. It's so different. Yeah. It feels like I'm reading like a comic book or it feels yeah. like visceral. Like I feel like I like I, when I left there I was, I was telling you how I, it it felt like I I just like got out of like an experience from like universal, you know what I mean? Where you like sit in the chair and it's like, uh, you're going to experience what it's like to be like a stripper on a crazy adventure. That's dangerous and scary. Uh, you know, but like, I don't think if I sat and watched, you know, like a movie like Cruella, like that was like popcorn entertainment where I Mm -hmm. sat down, I enjoyed the performances and there were cool sets and it was like, Oh, a period piece sort of. And, you know, I got all of those bits and pieces out of that. We saw this movie in the same theater that we saw uh, Cruella in, and they were two entirely separate experiences that I had watching both movies. I enjoyed them both. I feel like, I mean, losing yourself in a movie and feeling like you're experiencing it, I think is the ultimate goal. So I don't really know if I follow you on that, just because like the idea of like sitting down and losing yourself and having experience, like that's what I want out of a movie. But I will say that Cruella and Zola were very different in terms of um, making me feel like I'd been transported. Like Zola made me feel like I had like almost left the theater. And then Cruella, I was just conscious I was watching a movie. Right. I mean, are you trying to say just because you enjoyed Zola more, so that's why you felt that way? And if Cruella no, was a better movie, there was a chance for you to get absorbed in maybe, it? Maybe, yeah. I don't think there was a chance to get absorbed into it. So I think that's the difference, what I'm saying. It's like, I don't think you can be... I don't think there is a version of Cruella that would ever be made that would make you feel like you're in this world and you're mm. like, oh shit, this is like... I'm like living this weird Cruella world, mm-hmm. you know? I just don't think so. I think you're. it's made like, like a colory picture book of like it did feel like i think when you said like reading a comic book i think that is pretty that's the closest um description i've heard it was just so you know it was there was no fat on it at all as a matter of fact it like picks up with like maybe 10 minutes before you're like in the thick of like the tenseness yeah and it ends before the story is over like you know like we don't you know get a full-on resolution of any story now you can go online because this is based on true events find out exactly what happened because what was depicted in the movie was almost like i would say 90 percent close to like how the story was told yeah it's like 80 percent of the story yeah. yeah i mean they changed some things for for obvious reasons and good but um yeah, it's like you don't get you don't get the resolution that are like the replies to the, the original Twitter thread of people being like, "Yo, this is wild!" Like, what happened afterwards? And then like Zola, the actual person, being like, "Oh yeah, well here's all the extra stuff that happened like once I left this place." And you know, I'm not trying to ru- I'm trying to not ruin it for everybody, but like you don't get any of that. Like it kind of ends as the action sort of tapers off yeah. in this movie, and uh, you're almost like unsettled by it. You're never. You're never brought back to reality in a way. You're just, Mm. it's just kind of like, and you know, this could still be going on. (laughs) This could happen tomorrow again. You don't really know. 
but it was a wild ride and I hope you enjoyed it. You know, it felt like a ride where you're like, whoa, it just kind of like comes to the end. You're yeah. like, okay, is this it? You're like, that was nuts, right? And everybody's like, that was fucking nuts. And then you kind of move on with your life, you know? That's kind of how Zola felt for me. It felt like an experience. You know what I thought was interesting is that um, I, so my, I guess my biggest note of the movie is that I pretty much have the Twitter thread memorized. So when I saw the movie, it was just like waiting for the next tweet, basically, to like be scripted in there, which is not necessarily the best way to view the movie. Like I was envious of Nick, who didn't really remember the major plot lines, like kind of knew the basic idea of the story, but wasn't able to like follow it scene by scene. And I was thinking we had a conversation afterwards about like, um, you know, reading the book before watching the movie and all of that. And like the idea of reading a book before watching the movie. And I was thinking about how I don't have that experience that was very specific to Zola when I watch a movie for about a book I've already read. Like, let's just take a Harry Potter book or something like that. Like a book I feel like I know very well. And then I watch the movie. It's not, it wasn't the same as Zola, which felt like almost like scene by scene. And I think it's because with the book, there's so much material. There's like 300 pages. And it's really, there's like a creative element at play deciding like, how do I tell this story in an hour and a half? Because I can't include all of the elements. I can't include every every scene from every chapter. I have to find a way to like translate this into a new form. And with the Zola, you know, because it's 148 tweets, that's like, 148 sentences so they could do it scene by scene so there wasn't necessarily like things that had nuance or or I wasn't able to get like lost in their telling of the story in the same way does that make sense what I'm trying to say here like it became more about like me just being like oh that was added that was added you know just thinking in my mind about how things were added instead of like oh I wouldn't have interpreted that chapter that way that's interesting which just feels like a different viewing experience right it was there's a lot less there's a lot less source material to memorize here so it's easier to scrutinize every single choice that's made yeah um yeah I I get it I didn't read the I didn't read the Twitter thread again until after the movie and I did not really I remembered it being a thing yeah the Zola uh thread but I don't I did not really remember the story I just remembered it had to do with like strippers and I and I don't think that I even read through the entire thing when it happened like I probably oh, that's read people's accounts of it and not really I, reading through it I read it so many times it and I hope it doesn't sound like we're like we didn't like the movie we absolutely loved it it was an incredible experience it was a unique experience. It feel it feels groundbreaking just in its format, and um, also it was like very visually stunning and great acting. Like the cast here was just knocked it out of the park. I really liked the woman who played Zola. I don't know her name, and I really her like. Her name is I'm trying to remember Taylor Page, I believe. She was phenomenal. Where did she come from? She's not. She is a. She was on. I think she's on like a dance series, like a series that is like a scripted series about dancers. Okay. Um, but she's like a relative unknown. This is like her breakout deal. Phenomenal performance, and then I really liked the 
boyfriend of Stephanie, who Nick told me was from Succession. He was like really played the role of comedic relief very well. Yeah, his name is Nicholas something or other, and he plays uh, the young nephew. I forgot his name. Succession. It's been so long. Uh, Succession is like the best television show ever. It's there's, Nick's favorite show. two seasons, and he's incredible in it. And he plays kind of like a buffoon in this movie. And uh, it's uh, really amusing. Something that they did here was blend comedy and drama really strangely uh, in things that are like clearly written and shot to be funny. And what's happening is so stressful and like... Uh, on um, it makes you feel uneasy and uh, shocking in a lot of the stuff. I mean, there's a lot of like kind of gratuitous like sex work happening in this, and and really some provocative scenes. I mean, so many penises. And like, be prepared to see. Should I? Can I say that? Or yeah, is that like? Could, I hope that's not a spoiler. It. I hope someone's like, man. I was waiting to find out how many there would be. Now, there's a bunch, folks. There's a bunch in there. Um, uh, more penises than boobs. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, I feel like I could almost see it again. Oh, I would definitely see it again. Yeah. Uh, I think there's going to be enough movies coming out in the next couple of weeks that, like, I'd like to see the new Fast and Furious movie that came out a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So, like, if we go to the theaters again, which we will this summer, like, I do want to see different things. Cause I want to see In the Heights, which I know you're against because it's free on another yes, platform. I, I, it's like very Nick. tough. Although, uh, Cruella was free, I think, on another platform, possibly. Or maybe okay, it wasn't. Well, maybe it there wasn't. you go. I just want to see it on the big screen. It's also two and a half hours, folks. I want to see it on the big screen. Two and a half hours. This movie was 90 minutes, baby. Perfect. In and out. Perfect. Cruella week. was 215. That was the only real problem I had with it. It was just like, ooh, is this thing ending soon? And Cruella felt... 30 minutes too long um but uh you know i I think i think we've said it all folks you should go see zola it's quite an experience and my suggestion would be uh if if you hadn't ever heard of the twitter thread or if you don't read it you have and it's just been a while don't read it before the movie just go see the movie and then go back and read it and uh, i think it's fun just to hear those details um what's really cool is like whenever there was a line in the movie that was a tweet uh, it was a quote from a tweet. You heard the kind of the tweet noise uh, from tweet, tweet. from the Twitter app. <laughs> like a whistle that I don't want to do now because Fat Lily will come running yes. out here looking for a treat. Which was just like, I mean, there was stuff like that throughout the whole movie, like really um, fun choices made by yeah. the director. And Oh, um, there's one thing I want to talk about that was such an incredible choice, but it might be a little borderline spoiler. So I'm just going to let it slide. Let it slide. Um, what I do want to talk about, though, is like you guys might remember this from a couple months ago. Nick and I were in a little bit of a flea market phase, which I'd like to get back into, by the way, because I need to get a new film camera from that guy who was selling used film cameras. Because now I've decided maybe my camera's not great. And I want to see, um, cause I got like, I got like three rolls of film developed and two of them were dark. It could, it's most likely the film that I'm using cause our Disney pics came out incredible, but I still want to just switch it up. I want to see if a, a different camera gives me a different look. So anyway, well, Friday morning, that flea market is open and Friday morning is a definite possibility of you and I getting up real early, going to the gym. And then 15 minutes later can be at the at the flea market i'm in and then we could go and do our little shopping because next weekend starting on friday we are going to seaside heights with a bunch of our buddies 
and we rented out a little house, uh, Airbnb, and uh, boy, that the, just think of the podcast after that one, folks. It's going to be a wild ride on Monday morning one. next week. We um, should do a Patreon episode where we do like um, like little like. 20 minute updates each day of our day like when, when we did in wilmington hey man don't uh, let your mouth uh, write some checks that that ass can't cash <laughs> okay yeah that's a good point <laughs> never mind you didn't hear that um but so you guys might remember this it was like a couple months ago we were at the flea market and i found a roll of film that had been used and it was 25 cents and I was like, I will get this roll of film and then develop these pictures. They they have to be incredible. It, the film obviously was from the 90s. It had that like very, it was like Kodak gold. It had that really super 90s font. We took it to Walgreens to get developed. I'm anticipating these pictures so much for days. We go pick go to pick them up right before the movie, right before we go see Zola. And she like, is like Ashley and she's like going through like a thing. She pulls out a little envelope and I'm like, that envelope is thin. Like, why is that envelope so thin? Like, I'm used to picking up pictures from my... Plump fi- envelope. Yeah, I'm used to, like, picking up white envelopes full of prints. So I'm like, I'm like, what's going on with that um, the envelope? Is it just a disc? Because another thing that had really pissed me off, I didn't tell you about this, Nick, but uh, when I was home, I was looking at the Walgreens receipt, like my little, my number that they rip off the envelope. Yes. And it says, attention, we no longer um, deliver negatives. You will receive a CD. And I was like, what the fuck? I want negatives. I don't want a CD. I want my physical negatives. So you can do cool stuff to them. And I mean, and you can do cool stuff to DVDs with filters, blah, blah, blah. But I want my negatives. So I was like, is it just a CD? And then she's like, no, no, there are pictures in there. And then she looks at it and she goes, well, it does look a little thin. Do you mind if I open it? And I was like, no, go for it. One blurry ass photo came out, just like a streak of light. And then Walgreens included a little um, primer in there. Reasons why your, your film did not develop. So basically it was an exposed roll or something. I had no pictures on it except for this one shitty one. I was fucking pissed. And then the girl behind the counter was like, you shouldn't have to pay for this. Let me go get my manager. She goes to get her manager. Her manager comes back. It would have been like 18 bucks. And her manager's like, you don't have to pay for it if you deny it. Like you can just deny the purchase of it. And I was like, okay, I guess I deny it. And then what did I do, Nick? You immediately felt like you shouldn't have denied it and you should go back and buy that one blurry photo. It's like a streak of light. Yeah, it wasn't even a photo. It was like an overexposed accident. Yep. And I convinced Ashley that that's a mistake, that you could just tell people about this. You don't have to like have (laughs) it. I was like, should I frame it for the memories? Meanwhile, you have like 90 great photos that you haven't framed. And like you're gonna frame. Yeah, this something's one wrong with me. Fun. I can't let go of things. Yes, you're obsessed. But uh, yeah, I mean, the mystery continues. Unfortunately, I will never know what's on that roll of film. But I think that just goes to show you probably shouldn't buy those rolls of film at the flea market because they're just they're not kept anywhere. Like they're out in the sun all. They're day. out in the sun. Well, first off, th- there's no there. That was the only one. It was like in a pile of like pins. Uh, P I N S. Um, and so I was just like, what is this random thing? Like if I found used rolls of film at a flea market, I'm always going to buy it. I'm always going to develop it. I'm too seduced by the mystery of it all. I want to know what those pictures are. Okay. So I will always do that, unfortunately, but 
I agree with you. They've all if they're if we ever come across another one, I'm sure it will also be bad. Like you can't yeah. sit in the heat like that. Just can't sit in the heat. I mean, by all means, if you find an old roll of film, which you did, and then you actually uh, uh got it developed, right? Yeah. From, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, those were kind of blurry. Yeah, I found bit. an old roll of film from my 25th birthday party in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Um, and they have, they're like overcast. Like they're like, there's a dark tint to them. A dark tint. Yeah. But that was cool. I liked finding those pictures. Not many of me, unfortunately. Like, you know, there's like two of me and I'm in the corner. Yeah. More just like people who are at the party who I don't talk to any of those people anymore. God, sad, isn't it? Yeah. It's weird. Um, so yes, we, we went, saw Zola, went to that Walgreens and I'll tell you, it's been really tough to park in our goddamn neighborhood these days. And so that's part of the reason why, uh, we are getting this out so freaking late. It took us like Truly. Uh, 20 minutes to park and then we would park 20 minutes away from our home and they, they refuse to give people who own houses in this, in this town parking spots. I hate that about it. It's really odd. And uh, they won't do it. And they also won't charge for parking. And we live in a beach town. So everybody comes here to park for free all day. And then they go to the next beach sometimes. They don't even go to the beach that's around here. Or it just forces this beach to be kind of overcrowded over by the boardwalk. Don't let me rant. I won't. Um, but uh, something that we did uh, last night. Well, actually, it was probably... Sat- this probably started on Saturday because Ashley and I every once in a while will throw on this guy he has a, a YouTube account where he has like uh, a Saturday morning cartoon blocks like three to five hours worth he'll put up each Saturday morning and they'll They're be from incredible they'll be from like a different network on a different year um, but usually uh, you know all from that year and he either kind of cobbles them together and and leaves in the commercials or they're just like a full block without you know any editing which is kind of fun because you can put them on in the morning and just like hey saturday morning cartoons from 1993 cbs are on right now and you're like whoa cool you just leave them on on. it's like the real saturday morning cartoons Yes, yes it's kind of fun it makes me it puts me in a good mood and uh, a couple of weeks ago, I noticed that we hadn't done it in a few weeks, right, Ash? Yeah. But a couple of weeks ago, I noticed uh, that he had put one up from a network that I had not seen uh, up yet, and that is Nickelodeon's Saturday morning cartoons, like a five-hour block of it from 1995. And this is right in my sweet spot as far as like uh, when I was obsessed with that network. And so I was like, ooh, we're going to have to put this on. So we put it on and we watched about half of it last Saturday. And it was uh, a lot of fun. I mean, it was like one of the better, I think, sort of blocks of cartoons. And I I, I just kind of brought back so many good memories of uh, watching all those fun cartoons and, and, uh, and live action programs. Uh, what did we watch? Do you remember any of the things? I can't even remember what was on that. Yeah, thing. Nickelodeon Arcade. That's right. Nick Arcade we saw an episode of. Rin Tin. But Rin, it was Tintin. Tintin. But uh, Nick Arcade it was a good one because it was starring the guests or the uh, the mm-hmm. people competing on Nick Arcade was the cast of Clarissa. It was the parents versus the kids. It was Clarissa and, uh, and, and Ferguson versus... Mr. and Mrs. Darling. I forgot what their names are. Um, and it was uh, really fun to see them in 1995. It was probably, that was probably filmed more like 93 or 94. Yeah, the, the kids looked young. They were younger, and that show I think was off the air by 95, possibly. But um, 
still it was uh it was like oh this is really fun so we sat there and watched a bunch of this stuff and um something i love about nickelodeon and uh that they they kind of really hooked you in uh i think was their their little bumpers that they would do before and after like you know going to commercial or between episodes where they would have like little like nick cartoon yeah they had shorts, shorts. and like yeah. the little songs like little doo-wop yeah. songs and yeah you know the nick 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 that sort of stuff and like little mini sketches yeah re- and yes like little short films like i went to the bathroom i came back and uh it w- they were like halfway through the boy who turned inside out which yeah. was like a really fun short that they used to play all the time on Nickelodeon mm-hmm. where the kid who was swinging on the swings and he swang so hard that he went all the way around and his body turns in inside out boy is what he was called his body had turned inside out so it was like all his bones were it was like a, it's like a claymation um and it's kind of like a kind of a morose but also kind of fun little short and a series of shorts that they did and there was a time when they did um like they used to have hosts for like their blocks of cartoons and stuff. And their big host was stick stickly. Do you yeah. remember him? He was a popsicle stick with googly eyes. Yeah. And, uh, it was just kind of like little interstitial sketches and, and quizzes and fun stuff that they used to do between. So I kind of feel like that is what maybe hooked me harder than like watching just like Fox morning, you know, which had some really great shit on there that I watched a lot. Don't get me wrong. But not like Nickelodeon. The other thing was Nickelodeon was, tw- you know, not 24-7 because it did turn to Nick at night at a point. But um, it was like on Wednesday, you know, you knew that there was a block of cartoons on because it was a cable channel that had just was straight for kids. So maybe that's what also indoctrinated me into the to the Nick world. I'm confused. Was that a Saturday morning block? Nick had Saturday morning stuff. I thought their whole thing was like, we're anti Saturday morning. We're every day. No, they, they definitely have to compete, right? With okay, Saturday morning. Yeah. So yes, that was a, that was Saturday morning. Their, their block of Saturday morning stuff, which oh. actually had some stuff that they bought. There was Muppet babies on there and yeah, some stuff. That- then there was like that nature show from Canada. Yes, there was the nature show, um, Wild Side. Wild Side. Uh, which was like, you know, it's just fun. It was like a Nick, a Nick eyes, Nickelodeonized sort of nature show. So like when like the lizard show up, it would be like, blah, 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 like you'd hear like, the, <laughs> you'd hear like and the tongue would come out and like, you know, there's a kangaroo and it's like, boinky, boinky, you know, like a springy sound effect and all of like the, the angles and stuff that they were kind of shooting at where it was very sort of Nickelodeonized, but your classic sort of like, uh, you know, Sunday afternoon NBC nature show. Um, except kids ruled. Uh, that was like the whole thing with Nick. Like kids run the whole deal. Um, so we watched that and it was a lot of fun. And I Googled uh, the host of Nick Arcade, um, Phil Moore. Yeah, he was great. Because he's such a wacky, wild guy. Um, he's put, he does a good, he's putting on a good show. He sings all the songs and stuff. I remember liking him as a kid and I want to know what he did. And, you know, I looked through his IMDb, but I found out in the IMDb that he was uh, a participant in a documentary called The Orange Years that's on Hulu uh, that came out a couple years ago, which is a documentary on like this era of Nickelodeon or the beginning until 
it kind of got switched over during the SpongeBob years. They didn't go into SpongeBob at all. Like SpongeBob yeah, was the end. Yeah, they stopped at Dora and SpongeBob. Yeah, like basically people saying like, well, that's when they started making real money and that's yeah. when we're out. That's when they started merchandising yes. things. And- so um, we watched this uh, last night. We watched um, one episode of uh, Lost. Or did we watch this first? We watched one episode of Lost and then we watched this. And then we watched this, the Orange Years documentary, and it's on Hulu. And it was I thought it was really good. Um, I don't think Ashley liked it that much because, Ashley, you, you weren't really a Nick kid. You didn't have cable, so you weren't a Nick kid, right? Yeah, it didn't really touch on uh, – I mean, it touched on nostalgia a little bit for me, but um, not anything where I was, like, transported or taken away. The, the only thing – so I, when I moved in with my dad, we, I, we had Nickelodeon, and that was, like, the Alex Mack years, and they spent about two – minutes on alex mack and i was like well that was really my big nickelodeon thing was that but i did feel like it was funny because also and this could just be me being an old ass complainer but when you do a documentary and it's not full of famous people so it's just like people who work within that company i need you to give them like a name and job description a few times like if you do that once in the beginning and it's like sarah vp of um production slash uh management representative i'm never going to remember who this person is you know what i mean give me that nameplate a couple of times because i have add and i need it now this is a callback to the documentary about the yes, disney art house yes it that is we watched yep. because they, the they like issue. literally but that one they like didn't show it at all at all <laughs> like, and it's like we're like who is this old white guy yeah um, and then my other thing was like a lot of this documentary were just the host of the show or like people who were in the show being like my show, it was the best. Yeah. <laughs> and, like Mark Summers going on about like how incredible Double Dare was and how it changed well, the game. And- I, I also think there was a good portion of it being like creative, you know, vice presidents of programming coming on and being like, you know, all that stuff that you loved about Nickelodeon. I came up with it one afternoon. Like it is. Like, yes. Yeah. A lot of women, because uh, uh, women were pretty much at the helm of the all of the great years that you love, the orange years of yeah. Nickelodeon. Like a woman in some way, shape, or form, all of the heads of the, the people that they were speaking to are all women. Um, and, uh, you know, each one of these women would come on and be like, one afternoon, I was just like, you know what? We should have Ren and Stimpy, Rocco's Modern Life, and uh, Doug, and Doug, and yeah, this uh, one woman and, like and Rugrats, and then like I went over to the creators and I was like, give me these shows, and then man, they were hits. Like, I mean, <laughs> you're like a little. That's a little. I wrong, am. But I'm like, embellishing a little bit. Yes. The idea was that they were like, you have two weeks to find some cartoons, and so she was like, I took all these meetings, and then these were the three I wanted, and then Nickelodeon greenlit it, and then they became our biggest shows. Yes, and she's like, and that never happens. Right. Um, but yeah, I wonder if that has something to do with the fact that it was a kid's show and so it wasn't like necessarily respected in the sense. A kid's network. A kid's network where they were like, well, a woman can run that. We'll have some women in charge. I think maybe people find women to be more... Uh, in tune with children yeah right so like true. they kind of like have that maternal instinct babe right uh, they an, don't call an, it an affinity for kids more than maybe grown men do um, and why not you, don't you have a paternal instinct don't men have sure. a fatherly instinct i mean not not like a woman does no really? I, I don't think so but i, I it I doesn't mean like... that i don't connect with children and i and i'm not interested in what children are interested in and also that i can connect with 
kids on a level, on a fun level, because I've proven that time and time again at our great job we have over at, over there at our kids' job. I mean, no one can collect as many toys as you do and That's not true. be able to connect with the kids. That's more of an adult thing, uh, honestly. Uh, I, uh, but uh, I don't think kids play with toys anymore. Kids play video games. There was this um, one guy just kind of speaking about what I'm talking, like speaking to what I'm talking about with people coming on and being like, our show, it was the best show. There was one, somebody from all that who was like, yeah, and a kid's comedy sketch show had never happened before. And it was literally like <laughs> yeah. 30 minutes after. It was, the, it was the white guy or the white kid from uh, from all that, the first couple seasons of it, who was like one of the big stars on that show. I forgot his name. It was literally like 30 minutes after they had just explained to us that you can't do that on television was one of the first kid's <laughs> yeah. comedy sketch shows. And then like 30 minutes later, he's like, and all that, it was the first kid's comedy sketch. <laughs> yeah, and we like, were like, that's that's interesting that the the Document, doc team yeah, didn't take that out. That was like, odd. That they was didn't odd. have another soundbite from this guy. Yeah, and it also it reminded me of how like child children actors f- why they're so cute and or like are like uh, photogenic for like screen also will usually turn out that you are a strange looking adult. Yeah, that was unfortunate. Uh, so it's just like you see all these kids who are like Nickelodeon stars who are like kind of goofy little kids who are kind of funny. And you're like, oh, look at this little goofy kid. He's good for TV. But then that kid becomes an adult and you're like, whoa, that guy's fucking weird looking. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked up, Nick. It is true. I, I tried to write a bit about it where like the thing that you're like uh, kids, like little babies, people think are really cute. Like, yeah. look at his big eyes. Like when you're an adult, you're like, oh my God, his eyes are so fucking big. Interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's true because you were like such a cute little kid. Hey, you <laughs> son of a bitch. You know what? Um, another thing about this documentary that I feel like should be mentioned is that Drake Bell is in it. And if you're not following the news, Drake Bell was recently pled guilty for what like, did he? It's like human trafficking or something like or sex with a minor or some fucking fucked up thing he did. I have a Drake Bell story and like, I don't know, like the mid aughts, like let's say 20. 20- 10. I was young. My friend um, was in going to South by Southwest. I jumped in the van with them. We went down to South by Southwest, had a ball, Brooklyn band, and his friend was in Drake Bell's band. And that's really my story is that just Drake Bell was around and like people kept being like, he's a Nickelodeon star. And I'd be like, oh, that's cool. I never watched that show. And he, he got us into parties. And that's basically it and then i didn't see him again until he was on champs versus stars and he was kayla's partner and i was like hey that guy was in a band with my friend and that that's the only way i know of this guy yeah the documentary had was featured a few people i didn't feature he was the only person they featured because this came out a few years ago and his little uh you know his thing he pleaded guilty for is you know, of the time. So, uh, yes, because also, uh, the, the John K who's, who, uh, uh, John Chris Faluso, I forgot his, how to say his name, but they call him John K who created and drew Ren and Stimpy. He's got some, Oh, I thought he wasn't in it. He wasn't in it, but I'm just yeah. saying like Nickelodeon oh, yeah. got he, rid of. So he's got some issues that I think he's literally, he's been me too'd and, and even plus me too plus yeah. 
for even before 2017, I mean, this guy was like living with like a 15 year old or something like that. He's Ooh. like one of these guys. This is the dark like side of watching a positive kids show documentary. He's in like, he was in like multiple quote unquote, like consensual relationships with minors as like a 50 year old. Um, and uh, one of them has come out and been like, yeah, he like brainwashed me or something. Um, and uh, then there is Dan Schneider, who is one of the producers of all that and was on all that. And, and he is still possibly working for Nickelodeon, but he has like put his goddamn name into YouTube and you're going to get a whole bunch of like internet sleuths who have put together like a case against Dan Schneider being some sort of like a creep with little kids who is the producer on all of these kind of like iCarly level shows. On... They didn't talk about iCarly at all. Oh, oh that's, that's a post. Disney show, right? Oh, it might be Disney, but it might not be. It might be Nickelodeon. I don't know, but like yeah. that's way past like 1995, which yeah. is where they like stopped at like 95. That's aughts. All that aughts stuff. Because there was a bunch of stuff that that did very well on Nickelodeon that you or I do not have any recollection of because it came out in 2005. So weird. And there's a whole like live action world. And also there's a whole like world of Nicktoons that people like lose their mind over uh, that are like 15 years younger than us. Like uh, Fairly Odd Parents. Yeah. And like Ben 10 and like stuff like that. You were telling me about that. Yes. I mean, kids who are like 25 now and yeah. like, you know, 30 and under have like a whole different world of Nickelodeon that they got obsessed with, which was like brought in by SpongeBob. Wow. And then like boosted up like uh you know do we have to watch all those shows no, so we can be with it no because those people are old now that's not even what's going on at the this how point. is anyone these, supposed to keep up these shows aren't on the air anymore it's like people bringing campaigns to bring fairly odd parents back and you know it's like i've never even seen an episode of that show so how are we gonna catch up i'm of the you know i i i think my last year of watching nickelodeon like i was already being like this stuff isn't as good which was like cat dog and like uh rocket team or whatever the fuck it was i'm not i'm like i remember person, watching you know? cat dog and being like this feels derivative rocket power rocket power those shows even all real monsters oh no this is the real first one because my sister was really into it and i was just like it ain't doing it for me because i'm just a little too old was the wild thornberries wild Th which was like a family who was like on a safari like a perpetual oh, yeah. safari i like that and uh, <laughs> man and you're so much older than i am i don't know how that worked but uh i like any sort of like i like the swiss family robinson what can i say they talk about blues clues they go nick jr a little bit on didn't, this i didn't like blues clues well of course you were like 30 <laughs> i was like what is this shit <laughs> but blues clues was like a fucking phenomenon do you remember how big yeah. that was i mean yeah. it really kind was the first like breakout sensation for preschoolers probably since like Sesame Street. What right? about Barney? Barney was before since Blue's Barney. Clues. Yeah. But you didn't learn shit from Blue's Clues. Blue's Clues, like the way that they talked about it being like they wanted Double Dare for kids. Yeah. And because uh, Double Dare did so well and so they wanted Double Dare for preschoolers. And so they were having preschoolers do like three legged races and shit. And they were like, this ain't working. And then so they were like uh, somebody, uh, a young uh, MILF created uh uh blues clues did you see that woman i'm like you created blues clues she's like first of all not that old you guys and i don't remember this at all <laughs> she, she was kind of hot and i was like i just never would have imagined what this person was the creator of blues clues. it was the woman who was like 
sitting and like rolling her eyes when they were trying to tell them about the game show for preschoolers. And then they, the boss looked at her and was like, why don't you come up with something? And then that's when she was just like, I'm, I invented fucking blues clues because it was like, <laughs> if you think about it, it's kind of like a game show for kids who just learned how to talk because it's like them holding up like a mail, like a, like a, like a piece of bread. And, and then, and then Steve being like, what's this? And then they're like, ding, 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 bread. And they're like, right, bread. You win the game, kind of. But there's no winning and losing. But that's what it is. It's just like, can you say this word? Do you know what this is? And there's a call and response. And I like how they went into the first Blue's Clues host, which was Steve, which everybody knows Steve. And apparently Steve was some sort of like skate punk who thought he was going in for a voiceover voiceover audition. And they were like, actually, no, could you put this goofy ass outfit on for the network? And then he got it. Um, Which can you imagine that? Just being like, and then all of a sudden you're like, can't go to a mall because like kids are like, what the fuck? (laughs) You know, and notice he was not on there. You, yeah, you think why? Would, he, maybe he's running from from his Blues Clues <laughs> thing. I don't know. Have you? I've never saw Steve resurface anywhere else. But he was big shit on Fuck Mountain. Um, the two Pete's were there. Both Pete's were there. Always shocking to see those gentlemen. Yeah, it's really weird when you realize they've aged. Yeah, uh, Big Pete it was. He had like a he had like a Big part Pete in his looked hair. like a grandfather <laughs> yeah, no, sitting in shirt. his library. <laughs> I was like, is he about to pull out a pipe? Like, what's going on the sh- here? The shirt Big Pete was wearing kind of was like, what is this? Yeah, I don't remember exactly, but like he definitely had on khakis. You know what I mean? Like that was his look. Yeah, um, boat shoes maybe. But anyway, it was it was a it was a it was a fun trip down memory lane for myself. It got me all jazzed up. I got to watch some of those old school shows again. I got to see what Paramount Plus is offering in the in the classic Nick section. I really like the early years when they were talking about like um, Clarissa, for example, like what a huge hit that was. And you know what? I liked Mark Summers, even though he was like, I was the best host they've ever had. Yeah, he was cocky and as hell. <laughs> that was the best show they ever did. And like, I liked how I liked the energy he brought like at one point he was like talking about this other guy that had like tried out in the pilot and he goes if you watch the pilot you'll understand why he wasn't right for the show yeah and I was like woo it was, uh, it was throwing some shade and i like they had like the pilot of double dare like ready yeah. to go, which was really fun and then like having like a flub the first game and then even the camera is kind of like the director cutting and mark summers being like cut thank god yeah uh, it was like a a fun moment of like wow you watch double dare and you're like it's all fun but you remember this is this guy's fucking job he was talking about how like uh they talked about nickelodeon studios that you could visit yes. universal studios which is like like maybe the reason why nickelodeon is so like iconic is you could fucking show up yes i did go you went yes of course i went you went nick had everything nick had like name <laughs> brand shoes he had like keebler elf cookies in the house they had oreos in their house just like oreos and coca-cola like name brand food Coca-Cola. you can't even say it. i'm shocked name brand food in the house name brand clothes on the feet they weren't he wasn't going to pay less and and he was going to Nickelodeon. I'm dating a prince, basically. Yeah, but now I can't bring Oreos in the house because somebody eats them all. Me, I'll <laughs> eat them because I never had them. Exactly. So now I like freak out when they're here. Um. Anyway, it was a lot of fun. Enjoyed that doc. It's called The Orange Years. If you're interested, go hit that thing up. Wait, you're done? I want to know about Nickelodeon Studios, dog. Nah, Tell nah, me about it. Nah, you, you called me a rich kid again. <laughs> I, I got to just, just embrace. Actually, I have to work to do. I have to uh, stop this podcast. <laughs> embrace your heritage. It's okay that you had name brand stuff. And then tell me about Nickelodeon Studios. It was not that great. What? 
Why? Yeah, cliffhanger. We'll talk to you next time. Guys, please do us a favor. I don't know what's going on with uh, the the app over on uh, Apple Podcasts. I don't know what it is. I know people are like charging for things now. I don't think you could rate us any longer. We're so confused. Thanks. But if you if, if you, you did, can do if it, you can rate us help and review. Us out. And once again, we do a Patreon. We're uh, five bucks a month. We'll do two extra episodes each month over there. Patreon.com forward slash reality blows. As I said, we have two Terminator podcasts up for the last month. And we have. Uh, I think we're doing Jurassic Park for July, first and second. We'll see. Maybe we'll do this thing where this weekend we'll check in and do a check in podcast. But, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Once again, we'll don't see. hold your breath. Don't folks. hold your breath. But. Something we are going to be watching is Thursday. There is a live move-in special over there on CBS for the 23rd season of Big Brother. Folks, it's back. I think Ash and I are going to probably delve in pretty hard on Big Brother. I cannot wait. Truly. expect some Big Brother talk next Monday. If you're interested, catch up. If not, well, I don't know what to tell you, folks. This is a reality podcast after all. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.